Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus is looking out and he's looking at his disciples. And he says this to them. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And there's the mission, right? To go make disciples. And we say it simply. We go and make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. And that's the mission. To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there's our mission that Jesus says. He says, to you made disciples, I want you to go and I want you to make more disciples. And I want you to make disciples in your city and I want you to make disciples in the nations. And after Jesus said this, actually, that's what they went and did. They went to the city. They went to Jerusalem. And they did exactly what Jesus asked them and told them to do. But now go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. So years after these made disciples of Jesus carry out this mission, they did exactly what Jesus said to do. And they went and they started making more disciples and churches started forming. And churches started forming in a city in, in Ephesus. Actually, it was the city of Ephesus where the churches started forming. And um, they had pastors leading them. You would find Ephesus today in modern-day Turkey. And so the Apostle Paul, who had become a disciple of Jesus, goes and he starts this church in Ephesus. And it's been some time now, and they're kind of taken off, and he writes them a letter. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 4, saying this to the church, verses 11 and 12. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This morning I kind of want to I want to take this morning and, and treat it more like a family meeting. Have you ever been in, in family meetings? Like there, there are moments in our house where we'll call family meetings. All right, where I as the the patriarch will say, okay, listen, it's time. We're going to have a family meeting. Everybody meet around the kitchen table, meet uh, in the living room, whatever. Now, typically, the family meetings have something related to, we want to address something of concern, all right, to the family, typically. That's not what this is family meeting is about this morning, okay? This family meeting is really, to me, I had a hard time sleeping last night because I'm so excited to share with you what God has laid on my heart and really to talk about us this morning as a living church family. And so I, I kind of want you to see this as we're kind of all sitting in the living room. Okay, living church, living room, go with me there. Okay, so the living room, right, and we're just kind of having a family meeting. And, and I'm just going to share with you, we're just going to talk about us this morning. We're going to talk about um, what God has called us to, the vision He's called us to, the mission He's called us to. And I'm excited about that. And we've been, over the past couple of Sundays, we've been doing this series, A First Century Church for the 21st Century. And we've, we've answered questions like, what is church? Why bother with church? Uh, last week we looked at, what's a first century church look like? Um, this morning I kind of want to focus on, how do we intend to be that kind of church? How, how are we operating and functioning as a first century church for the 21st century? And, and kind of, how do we ap- approach living out this mission that Jesus has called us to as it relates to making disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. And I, I firmly believe that our best days ahead are ahead of us as a church. We've had some amazing days behind us 
incredible days. We've just seen God do amazing things. But I truly believe that God's best for us is still to come in the days ahead. And I even see how God is stirring and moving in people, um, even now, presently amongst us as a church family. So I kind of want to approach this this morning as a family meeting and talk about us and what God has in store for us as a church family. And I want to share with you four distinctives. Four distinctives in the sense of what makes us distinct as living church, a first century church for the 21st century. Some of this, for some of you that have been with us in the journey for, from the beginning, this will be a refresher. For others of you, some of this will be brand new and hopefully help you understand a little bit about, about why we do what we do as a church. And so four distinctives this morning. What makes us as living church distinctly a first century church for the 21st century. And the first distinctive really relates to our vision. Our vision. Living Church is distinct because of the vision that God has given to us as a church for accomplishing the mission. Now the mission, as we read earlier from Matthew chapter 28, is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission. That's every church's mission. That's the church's mission. All right, And, and families do things differently. Right? You probably celebrate holidays differently than our family celebrates holidays. You celebrate vacation probably differently than we celebrate vacation. All right, Families do things differently, and, and we do things differently, not for the sake of doing things differently, but for the sake of the vision that Jesus has called us to, specifically as Living Church, to accomplish this mission. And so for us, when we link Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and we link that with Ephesians chapter 4, what we see is the mission is to go and make disciples, right? That, that's the mission for us as the church. And so how we go about accomplishing that vision is by equipping you, the church, to go. That's for us. That's the vision that God has called us to as the church, to equip you as disciples of Jesus to go to the city. That, that's our vision. We want to equip you to go to, as made disciples to move out to make new disciples and to form these multiplying church communities throughout our city and the world. That's the vision that God has called us to. I don't want you to hear in any way that by us talking about this this morning, I'm saying we're better. We're just, we're not. <laughs> we're, we're not. And anyway, that's not what this is about. I don't want you to hear any of that. This is just how the vision that God has given us to carry out the mission of taking the gospel to the city that we see out the window. And I, and I think it's important for you as a family to know why we do what we do and how we go about what we do. I, th- I just think that's important for us to, to be reminded of that. And if our vision then is to equip the church to go to the city, then you can see maybe why we put a high priority on sending and multiplying. That's why when people start new living communities, we'll bring them up here and we'll pray over them and we'll send them out. Or that's why when we had Jenny Moran up here a few weeks ago, we prayed over her and sent her out to China. Kevin and and Sean Grease, we send them out because our vision is to equip the church to go to the city. So that's why we put such a high priority on sending. And we celebrate when a new living church or a new living community is planted or started in in other parts of our city. Because we celebrate that because it's the vision that Jesus has called us to, specifically as living church, to equip the church, to fit the church, to take the gospel to the city. And in our journey, we've planted three to four different house church communities in our three or four or four or five, six years now as, as a church. And we celebrate that. We bring them up and we pray over them and we send them out. That's why we put such a high priority on sending and multiplying because of the vision that Jesus has called us to, to equip the church, to equip the disciples to take the gospel 
to the city, even in our logo, all right? Props to Matt Duggar. Matt Duggar does a ton of our design work and everything. You see the little leaf there? That's why there's a little leaf coming out behind the leaf. There's not just one. There's two. Why? Because it's about multiplying. It's about sending. We're not, we want to release. We want more. We want, the more we can get the church out, taking the gospel to the city, that's how we believe God wants us, specifically as living church, to carry out the mission by sending and multiplying. But that's also why... When it comes to our Sunday corporate gatherings, our gatherings are really geared toward the disciple of Jesus. That's, that's why we do what we do when it comes to our Sunday corporate gatherings. Let me try to illustrate it this way. Today, the, my Cleveland Browns, yes, I'm using a Cleveland analogy, okay? My Cleveland Browns will start their third starting quarterback of the year. This is their fifth starting quarterback in five games dating back to last season. And the young man's name is Cody Kessler. All right, he's a rookie. He's never played or started an NFL game to date. All right, and so I was kind of doing some research and just kind of preparing for today and preparing myself and seeing how Mr. Kessler's preparing for today's game. And it was, it was encouraging because Mr. Kessler, um, we'll call him Cody because that's his name. Cody, um, the, the Articles were saying that really this week and up to this week, Cody's usually been the first one into the building to study the playbook, and he's actually been the last one to leave the building, to the point to where they've actually had to kick him out at night. They're like, dude, you need to go home, right? And he understands that for him to be effective, most effective on the field of play, he needs to know that playbook really, really well. He knows that if he's going to be able to adjust on the field, if he's going to make the best decisions, if he's going to be most effective living out the game plan on the field, he needs to spend as much time as he possibly can knowing that playbook. And so he's spending all kinds of hours getting into the building early, getting in the building, staying late to study the playbook so that he can be equipped as best as possible to carry out the game plan on the field. And that's how, for us as Living Church, we see our Sunday corporate gatherings to equip you in the playbook so that as you go out and live the mission on the field, you're as equipped as possible in the workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, so that you know how to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to a city that needs it. And so that's how we really approach our corporate gatherings on Sundays is to equip you, the disciple of Jesus, to move out into the world, your campus, your neighborhood, your workplace with the truth of God's word so that you're effective as possible living out the mission of Jesus on the field of play where God has called you. And so we have amazing people that are part of our team that put our corporate gatherings together. We meet once a month. We have Matt Wells. Matt oversees our setup. And he has a great team that comes early and gets all this ready so that you can be equipped to be able to live for Jesus out in the world, all right, out in our city. We have Kyle Mack, who's up here, and he's directing our Sunday gatherings. Joseph Dickens oversees the guys in the back and does all the AV. We have Dwight and Kathy Myers, who are just killing it when it comes to like the, the Living Kids ministry, ministry. They're just doing an amazing job with them. And, and she sent me an email or, or a message a couple weeks ago that said, man, we had 40-some with the volunteers and Living Kids. It's just amazing what God is doing. And they're, the reason why they're doing this is to equip not only you, but your children, right, in the playbook. 
to come alongside you as parents. And we have an amazing team of just different people that, and Kyle Ackerson oversees our, our living communities and helps those and equipping the, the pastors of those communities and so many different other people and Jason and the bands and all these different people that there's a purpose behind why they do what they do. It's to make us as effective as possible in the truth of God's word so that as we go out, we can live it and be as effective as we can for the glory of Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And so if, that's how we see our corporate gatherings. And I'm excited. I had a hard time sleeping last night because I, I just am excited about what's God, who God is bringing to us and what God is doing for us as it relates to this next step in, the, in accomplishing the mission that Jesus has called us to. So that's why when you come here on Sunday, really our teachings are, are geared more to you, to the disciple of Jesus, to help equip you in the playbook, if you will. So this year... I'm excited because here's some of the study things we're going to be studying together on Sundays. We're going to be doing some studies on God and work. What's, what's God have to say about work, about the workplace? Because we believe that if you have a good, proper understanding of what God has to say about your view of work and, or his view of work, you're going to be better equipped, right, to take that out into the city. We're going to do series on God and money, God and family. Um, we're going to do series on the book of Philippians. That's actually starting next Sunday. Joyful is what we're calling that series. Man, I am, I so need, I've been doing some, some study in, in the book of Philippians. It's just convicting me like crazy, crazy. I'm such a joyless jerk so often. I just am uptight, cranky, you know, even now you can hear my voice. I'm just uptight cranky, you know, and just stresses of life. I'm reading Philippians. I'm like, dude, no wonder no one wants to be around me. I mean, be, out, out, out in my neighborhood or whatever, I'm just like, mow the yard right, do this right. All this stuff is like, what? Joy. I need some joy. We're going to go through the book of Philippians starting next Sunday because we believe that as you learn what joy looks like as a Christian, you carry that with you through the week. That's why. And so our, our teachings are geared to equip you. All right? in the playbook so that you're most effective on the field. That's why this year, too, we're going to participate in communion more frequently. Starting next Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to be sharing in communion more together as a church family. Why? Because communion reminds us of our motivation for why we live the mission. That's why. It's the gospel. The gospel moves us to share it with those in need of it. And so when we share communion once a month, right now it's the first Sunday of every month, that's the plan, we're going to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us and his grace toward us. And as we're reminded that we were sinners and yet Christ loved us enough to come and die on a cross for us and be resurrected from the tomb, that motivates us, not because of what we do, but because of what he's done for us to want to share that good news with people at work in our neighborhood and on our campuses. So we're going to participate in communion more frequently together because more frequent communion means more frequent reminders of the grace we've received and the motivation to share that grace with others. And so our teaching is going to be geared more to equipping us. We're going to be sharing a communion more frequently together to remind us of our motivation of this mission. And then the third thing we're going to be doing this year is we're going to be introducing a whole new resource on Sunday mornings. It's a catechism teaching resource. Now, don't let the word catechism confuse you. It confused, it confused me, all right? Simply, what this is, it's like a 52-week question and answer tool to help you understand why we believe what we believe. In our journey, we've had different people come up to us and say, you know, I could just use a Christianity 101 class. Or, or I want to I know how do I teach the Bible to my kids. That's really what this resource is. It's a phenomenal resource for anyone and everyone 
to be able to take this home, and we're going to have handouts for you where you'll be able to take this home during the week. You can use it for your personal devotion time. You can sit down with your family if you have children, and you can teach them through this. And it's got a kind of a kid edition, adult edition. And we're going to introduce a new question every week. It's 52 weeks. And it's simply just a question like what you see on the screen. What is God? How would you answer that? What is God? And what this teaching resource does, this catechism does, is it gives you scripture to help you understand the answer to that question. All right, there's an app for it and everything for the iPad. And you can go through there and you can talk through it. It has different videos, has kids songs. But I'll honest with, be honest with you, some of the kids songs are kind of lame. I mean, they just, I mean, that's my opinion. But I was listening to them the other day. I'm just like, eh. No, we probably won't be listening to those. But it's a really good resource in the sense of, for me, teaching me and helping me grow. Why are we doing that? Because we want to equip you so you know the playbook so that when you get out in the field, you know how to operate. You know how to function. You know how to share the gospel. So we want to challenge you. We want to encourage you. We're going to provide this resource for you so you can take it home and you can do it together as a family. Again, you can do it personally in your devotions. I'm super excited about this to help equip us and why we believe what we believe. Many of us may not even know. Right? We're like, yeah, I was brought up in church, but I don't even know what the Bible has to say about some questions. That's why we're doing this, to help equip you. Because our, our vision is to get us, equip us as the church to go to the city. But because that's our vision, we're going to do these Serve Cincinnati things, these Serve Cincinnati projects. Why? Because our vision is to equip us to go to the city. And it's kind of like a lab. What we're going to do is we're going to collaborate together. We see that in the first century, where the first century network of house churches would come together and they'd collaborate to maybe meet a need. You'd see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And they would do that together. So we're going to come together on the fifth Sunday, whenever there's a fifth Sunday, and we're going to spread out throughout our city doing different projects, serving our city in tangible ways. Why? Because God has called us to live out this vision, this mission, by equipping us to care for our city. But also, because that's our vision, you need to understand that the people that you see here every Sunday, that's not the total impact of Living Church. That's not not the total impact that Living Church is having for the gospel throughout our city. There's probably two times as many people as what we have on a Sunday morning that are being impacted continuously through our living communities and through you all. And that's why, listen, this is about coming together and learning the playbook and staying and being involved and so that we can come together and we can encourage each other, we can learn from one another so that when we go out and we share this good news of Jesus, you're equipped. You're equipped to be a disciple of Jesus who moves out and makes new disciples. And so we're distinct in our specific way that we live out this mission that Jesus has called us to. Second way we're distinct as a first century church is, is really in our structure. That we're a network of house churches who are a local church. I think we saw that. We've looked at this in past weeks. Titus chapter 1 verse 5. The, island, the church on the island of Crete was really this network of house churches. And Colossians and, and Philemon chapter 1. The, the city of Colossae in modern day Turkey. That was kind of a network of house churches in the first century. But we're distinct in our structure in the fact that we have house churches. Right? That, that come together like today. And yet we see ourselves as really one expression of the local church. We have six, currently six living communities. Anderson, Covington, Mount Auburn, Taylor Mill, Southeast Cincinnati. Southgate. And the question there is, where next? Where next? And we're distinct in the fact that our structure is unique, that we see these as as a structure, a network of house churches called to multiply throughout our city for the glory of Jesus. 
And we have amazing living community leaders and pastors that do an incredible job leading each one of these house churches. And you say, well, where does this come from? Again, it was just looking at the first century and saying, this is the vision God has called us to. It's what he's called us to. And I have to confess to you, like about a month ago, I was just praying and I was just on my knees in our bedroom. And I'm just like, God, I'm 43. In 10 years, I'll be 53. I was always good at math, right? And I'm just like, in 10 years, I'm going to be 53, God. 53, that's so young. It's just so young. And I was thinking through that. I'm like, I I want my life to count, God. I I don't want, I want to spend the next 10 years, God, just going all in for you and for what you have for us to get your gospel out to people that are in need. God, what's that look like? What's that look like for for me, God, for us as a church to be all in together and and planting these house churches? And and as I'm praying, it's like, you know, I was doing some study about our city and there's different 80, there's like 80 different townships and villages in Cincinnati and northern Kentucky and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, 10 years, I'll be 53. And just this, this thought popped into my head, like, why not 26 by 26? Why not, why not go for 26 living communities by year 2026? Why not? Can you imagine? Just imagine that with me for a moment. Can you put the map up, guys, if you can do that? Okay, so here's where we are currently, right? But can you imagine? There's six right now. Can you imagine that just flooded with 26 different church communities that are just, I mean, they're just sharing life with each other. They're studying about Jesus together. They're serving their community where the communities are where they serve are going, man, these people are crazy. They love us like crazy. They're, it's amazing. Can you just imagine that? Imagine the impact that that would have for the glory of Jesus in our city. Imagine. 26 by 26, 10 years. That's, that sounds impossible to me. It does. But it's not impossible without the Lord. I'm not saying that that's exactly the Lord spoke to me and we have to do this or we're sinning. I'm just saying that it's just something that God's laid on my heart personally. Not, to, not for us. That's not for us, but that's for the people you work with that need Jesus and need the hope of the gospel. But we're distinct in, in our structure and that we see ourselves as a network of, of house church communities. And so maybe the question is where next? Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe God's been stirring in you. But we're distinct in that way. We're distinct in our vision to carry out the mission. We're distinct in our structure. And third, we're distinct in our leadership. And the fact that each one of those house church living communities is pastor-led. Pastor-led. Again, we see that from the first century in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 15 and 1 Timothy 3. Paul is instructing his young protégés and he's saying, listen, y'all need to go in there and designate who the leaders are, these pastors, and not just anyone can lead these things. They have to have certain qualifications. And so we look at that and we go, hey, for us, it seems like not just anyone should be leading these house churches. They need to be actual pastors who have the biblical qualifications of pastoring. And so we're distinct in our leadership So not just anyone can be overseeing our living communities. And that's why we have what we call a pastor's pipeline, which we're still kind of working through and tweaking so that way we can train up people to lead these throughout our city for the glory of Jesus and getting the gospel. And we have an amazing team of living community pastors. Incredible. Incredible team of people that serve. You have the Fergusons out in Mount Auburn and the Max in southeast Cincinnati. And you have the Tuckers and the Ackersons there in Covington and Rob and Janie in Southgate and Tim and Lisa in, in, um, in Taylor Mill, right? And am I missing one? 
Ours, Anderson, right. Yes. All right, the one that Andrew and I pastor. And so, I, I mean, and let me just say this. Can I just be real personal real moment, for a moment? My kids are awesome. I'm just going to be straight up. Okay? They're awesome. Because for those of you that don't understand, and maybe you don't understand what goes into preparing for a living community and all that stuff. And, I mean, we're like vacuum this, clean this, hit the bathrooms, go do this. You know, and they, they're just amazing. And I was, you know, I just thinking about this morning, just thinking of the Lord, how I'm not saying it's all better roses when we're doing this. All right. It's, I'm not saying it's like not without like me complaining. OK, but I just need to say that because and it's not just us, but the living community pastors that we have, they serve so selflessly week in and week out to shepherd us, to shepherd the church. And I'm so thankful for them. And not just anyone can lead these living communities. We believe that they need to be pastor led. And that's what we see in the first century, and that's a vision God has called us to. But a fourth distinctive is this, that living church is committed to living out four practices of discipleship together. And so follow me with this. If you have made disciples, moving out, making new disciples, the natural byproduct of that is that you're going to have these new church communities form. Well, when these new church communities form, they need leadership. That's why we have a pipeline. That's why we do this thing called a pastor's pipeline. That's why not just anyone can lead them because they need to be pastor-led. Well, then when all that's going on, what do they do? What do they do? Well, they live out these practices. And where do those come from? They come from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We looked at this a week ago. These four practices. And so the practices that our living communities, our house churches live out together, really it's, it's sharing it's the scripture, sharing life, sharing mission, and sending and multiplying. That's the vision that Jesus has called us to. And so when these new communities form, they live out these practices together. And we hold one another accountable to these. Let me just give you some examples. And for us as, as a living church right now, how we live out the practice of sharing scriptures like in ours, Anderson right now, we're studying the book of Colossians and I think Southeast Cincinnati in the book of James. I know Covington's going through a video series on stress and there's others doing book studies and different things. I mean, we're sharing the scriptures together. We share life together. I mean, we share our TVs for football games, right? We share food with one another. We provided meals. I mean, we've been part of a living community where, you know, if there's a birth and a new child that's born, I mean, Everybody's signing up to provide meals and all these different things. I mean, it's just life, right? We've shared suffering and pain and tears together. We're living out this practice of sharing life. And then we share mission together. And you have Covington Living Community where they're meeting with the Northern Kentucky Boys Home once a month. And you have other living communities that are doing different things in our city for the glory of Jesus getting the gospel out. For us as Anderson, we're connecting with Holly Hill Elementary, which is a a school on the east side where 70% of the students are on free or reduced lunch. Poverty like crazy. And so we're going in there once a week rotating with our living community. People going in there just to sit and listen to the kids read and help them. And do different things with them. Why? Because it's a practice of the church to live out the mission of Jesus in the community. But we also practice ascending and multiplying. And like I said, we send out different people to different parts of the world, even locally and, and nationally with the Greaves going to southeastern Tennessee with Campus Crusade and Jenny to China and other people to Haiti and, and all over the place. Why? Because it's the practices of the church. When the church forms, these are the things that they do. And this is not even just happening on an adult level. Let me share a story with you. I'm going to brag a little bit on Tirsten Roberts this morning. Okay, Tirsten is 16 years of age, and she is part of the Taylor Mill Living Community. And God has laid it on her heart to live this sent missionary life. All right, And God has laid it on her, her heart to invest her time into girls that are younger than her. 
And so this last, or two Saturdays ago, Tiersten uh, met in our home and had a group of young girls, ages third grade through seventh grade, and she planned it all, did it all, and she had a craft for them to do. She got them in the scriptures together, and, and the girls are memorizing scripture, and they're coming home after that, and saying, hey, I'm learning the Bible and telling moms and dads and all this different things. And here it is happening within Living Church where a 16-year-old young lady is saying, I'm going to live this mission. And I'm going to share the scriptures. I'm going to share life with these girls. I'm going to live the mission of Jesus because I believe Jesus has called me to live a sent life. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like for every single one of us. All in, together. All in, together. What a great example of what it looks like to be a disciple on the move, making new disciples. And it's happening right, on, right amongst us. I love that. But that just, that's our vision God has called us to, to equip the church to go to the city. And so we're unique in our vision. We're unique in our, our structure and network of house churches. We're, we're unique in our leadership and unique even in the practices that we live out together. And I truly believe that the best days for us as a church are ahead. I really do. But listen, I, we got to get past just us. Okay? I want you to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians, chapter 5. Because this really isn't about living church. This isn't really about us. This is about the people who you work with in your neighborhood, go to school with, that are in desperate need of the hope of the gospel. And I believe that there's a necessary reminder that we must constantly keep in front of us as we move forward in the mission and vision Jesus has called us to. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is writing and actually he's using marriage as a metaphor to describe Jesus' love for the church. And in verse 23 he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Jesus is the head of the church. We're his body. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that if like the head stops functioning, we're done. Right? I mean, this is it. I mean, you, without the head, we're like, we have no, we're just dead. <laughs> right? We're lifeless. Right? Unless we're chickens. All right? Running around and all the sorry. I mean, just anyway. <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> all right? Sorry, I just hit my head and I had to say it. So, but what, what, what that tells me is this, and I was looking at this morning, it's like, Jesus is going, listen, I'm the head. I'll take care of this. <laughs> you just, what, stay connected to me. I'm all in with you. I got this. You just stay connected. You just come and you just learn the playbook and you learn what I've done for you and how much I love you. You just stay connected to me and I got this. We're going to change it. We're going to do it. I'll do it through you. He's the head. And then he goes on and he says, and is himself its savior. I mean, I just want you to see how all in Jesus is with the church. He's the head. He's our savior. We needed rescuing because we're sinners. And he came and he rescued us. And then if you, if you move on to verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave what? Gave a couple of dollars? Gave a car? Gave a, no, he gave himself for us himself. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. He gave himself up for the church. I mean, he is all in with us, all in 
for us and with us. Why did He do that? That He may sanctify her, set her apart, the church, having cleansed the church by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church, us, to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that the church might be holy and without blemish. Why did He do that? Because we're dirty, we're sinful, and we needed to be cleansed, and Jesus is holy and pure and clean. And so because He loves you so much and He wants us to be with Him so much, He says, I will give up my life so that they can be with me forever. And I want to do this thing with them. I want to build a church with them. I love them so much. And and it's like, so what's it going to cost? It's going to cost your life. I'm all in. Jesus is going, I'm all in with them. I, I want to be with them. And I want them to be with me. He's all in with the church. And look at verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself. To himself. I love that because it says, Jesus is going, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I love you so much. I'm going to give myself for you, Living Church, so that you can be with me and spend time with me and we can live out this mission that I've called you to. We can do it together to himself. And present us in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And then verse 29, it says that he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Listen. The reason why we carry out the mission of Jesus is not because of us, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ that we have received. And because of the cross, and because of His overwhelming love for us. And there are thousands upon thousands of people that are wondering, is there, can I be right with God? Can I be at peace with God? Can, can the dirt from my past be cleansed? And we can say, yes, because of Jesus. Yes, because of Him. But it's going to take us being all in together to share with them that hope and to share with them that news. Just imagine, can you imagine just our city being flooded with disciples of Jesus who are living the mission of Jesus as they love one another, they serve their community, they're talking about Jesus, and it's not easy, but it can be done with the help of God and with the help of Christ. I'm going to ask the band to come. And as they come, I just want you to think for a moment. What's all in together look like for you? What's all in together look like? It's what a first century church looks like. A church that's living out the mission of Jesus. We have a specific vision for accomplishing that. I truly believe that the best days for us are ahead, church. They really are ahead. As we compare come together to be equipped in what Jesus has called us to and the truth of His Word. We carry this out. But I need you to ask yourself the question, what's all in together look like for me? What's it look like for us as a family? I quote the Tim Keller quote from last week. He said, listen, we can do this with God's help. (laughs) So let's give it all we got. But we can't do this without God's help so we can be at peace. We can be at peace. There are people who are desperate for the good news of Jesus. And so let's together commit as we close out this series to be all in together because Jesus went all in for us. Stand with me. He went all in for us. And he could choose any, any way to accomplish the mission, but he's chosen you to get it done. He's chosen me to get it done. He's chosen us to get it done. So as we sing this song together, let it be our our prayer and our commitment together as a church. And here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We haven't done this in a while, but rather than have two rows, I I just kind of want us to cross the aisle if we can together and form one body if we can. And I want us to sing this together. 
as our commitment together as a church to understand that through Christ, through His grace, and through His Holy Spirit, through His gospel, the gospel can be known to a city that's in need. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're calling us to. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for the privilege that it is to serve you together as church. Not for our name, but for your name. And we ask now that we would be the church that you've called us to be so that we can make your name great, your name great in this city. And it's in your name I pray and ask this. Amen.